put his hand on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, Take the arrows. So he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. In verse 19, And the man of God was angry with him, and he said, You should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. So we have Joash and Elisha, two very different individuals with their lives, okay? Joash is the king at this point. And Elisha, who we're going to look at their backgrounds really quick here, um, so you are familiar with them, um, had been serving God and, and, and leading uh, and, and advising the kings. But he has given him direction on picking up a bow and some arrows. If you're not familiar with archery, uh, what we put our arrows in is called a quiver. I'll reference that later on so it doesn't throw you for a loop. Who's Joash? He reigned in Samaria for around 16 years, 798 B.C. to 782, 781, somewhere in that time frame. The 13th king of Israel. He was the son of Jehoahaz. He's also called um, Jehosh. It may be in your translation. It may be spelled that way. That's why I want to make sure to reference that. Um, it's, just, it's the same person, just two different ways they referenced his name. And here's another key factor we don't want to forget about um, Joash is if you look back in verse 11, it says, He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, but walked in them. And so we quickly can pick up on Joash not being a godly leader, not being one to, to follow God's commands and respect God. We also can, can see from the text that Israel here is they're under threat of attack from the Syrian uh, army. And so that's what has sparked King Joash. To, to, he's burdened, okay? He knows there's a battle in front of him, and what he knows is they can't win. He knows that if, the, if once it takes place, they're in trouble. And so he comes to seek counsel and seek help from Elisha. That speaks volumes about Elisha, right? That tells you what kind of person he thought Elisha was. You know, and that's pretty interesting because, again, Joash, not a godly leader, not a godly man. But here's what we know. The sins of Israel, they were catching up. They were catching up with him, and judgment was on the horizon. He knew that. And so he knew something had to change, something had to be done. If he didn't do something different, he didn't go, go talk to Elisha and ask for help. Because, again, Elisha's on his deathbed here. We're going to see that. He knew that things would never change. Again, spiritually, Joash was just like his father. He was a sinful man. He did not seek God's counsel. He did not um, seek any help from the Lord. Everything was about him, even though he'd achieved you know, great, great political success. Spiritually, he was bankrupt. He didn't have any authentic faith, and he continued to walk in those sins. Now, Elisha. Who's Elisha? Now, you may be... Um, it's easy to confuse Elijah and Elisha. They're very similar. And, you know, it was probably a period of time when I was younger, I probably thought it was the same person. People just said it differently. You know, if you, if you, especially in, you know, Kentucky, right, the accent, you know, sometimes you, 
you know, things may sound the same. But we're talking about two different people, but they have, they, t- they are tied together. Because Elisha, he followed Elijah. He, he, he followed him when he was younger. He took teaching from him. And when Elijah passed away, Elisha was ready to step right in and take over. And that's, that's a message that speaks directly to us, uh, even outside of what I've wrote, uh, brought in today. You know, who, who are we training up? Who's following us to take over when we, God takes us out of here? But Elisha was a pro, uh, Hebrew prophet. Again, he succeeded the prophet Elijah. He ministered for around 50 years, uh, somewhere around 850 B.C. to 800 B.C. in the northern kingdom. And you can see there some of the uh, individuals who uh, he served and guided and counseled. Uh, and again, Joash being the last one. And here's some things. What, so what did he do? You know, he, he anointed kings. He gave them counsel. He helped the needy, and he performed several miracles. So he was a very sought-after man when it comes to, again, these people, God had warned them, God had given them things to turn from, to turn to, and they still wouldn't listen. But he blessed Elisha, and God worked through Elisha to try to give those people direction and to help them turn from their sinful ways and we know that it, it, it took years and there was lots of struggle with that. So we have Elisha, a man of God, on his deathbed. Okay, he's dying quickly. Okay, he, he's at the very end of his life and Joash comes to see him. I mentioned in the text, I wanted to give you just a quick visual uh, of reference here. AFAC, where it stood in reference to Syria and Israel, you can see there it's kind of circled in red. Uh, you know, he told him to open the east window, so that gave you a direct, you know, a visual of okay, they were shooting towards the east. The enemy was towards the east, so that tells you a little bit of a strategic uh, border town between the two. So it was, it was an important place when you look at where the battles would take place, and then also this promise that Elisha had given to Joash there about uh, defeating the the Syrian army. Think about this. This considering the massive weakness of the military in Israel, this was a stunning promise. So this is just a little visual to help you kind of get an idea, okay, where were we at in, uh, on the map and where was all this taking place before we really get down to the important part here. Now, I mentioned one, the opportunity, and that was in verses 15 through 18. Okay, He comes to see Elisha, and so basically he's weak, Elisha's weak. He's on his deathbed. I'll say that probably more than once because there's a theme to that here. Okay? But Elisha has godly wisdom and he's able to pass it to Joash through an opportunity. Every day in life, we're given opportunities to do the very same thing. It may not seem like a big opportunity. It may not seem, you know, as significant as this one. But I'm telling you, we're given those opportunities every day. So he tells him, take a bow and some arrows. So he he probably had five or six arrows. Um, did he have a quiver? I don't really know exactly what he had in his day and time. But he had a quiver and he had his bow and he took an arrow. Okay, Again, another visual. Bows and arrows. So he tells him, take your bow and arrow. One, he tells him to take arrows, but we know you only shoot one at a time. And he tells him which direction to shoot. He's going to shoot it out the east window. Okay, he tells him to open that window. But before that, it says, Elisha puts his hand on Joash's hands on the bow. 
It's a very important point that we don't want to miss. Remember, Elisha's dying. He doesn't have any strength. So we know the strength then comes from God through Elisha to help Joash shoot that bow and symbolize and begin to try to get him to realize what needs to take place for them to have victory. So again, the power, the strength was coming through Elisha to help Joash shoot that bow. Even though Elisha was weak and he was on his deathbed. So visualize that. You know, who, who are we putting our hands on daily? Where God's strength and power can work through us, through them. The arrow that was shot was to symbolize, this is, you know, it may take you, you gotta really think deep here. This is kinda interesting. You know, this was this, this is gonna symbolize the help of the Lord against the enemy, the Syrians, to their destruction. So this is, this is one of those, this is preparing him for what's gonna happen. This is not actually the battle. Nothing is taking place here other than he's given Joash an opportunity to do something in response to what God has prompted him to do through Elisha. So the king was then, uh, you know, he shot that arrow out the east window through Elisha's hands, through the power of God. And this was where we see the response then go to, okay, now he, he did that part, okay? He actually achieved that. He followed the commands there where it says, it says he shot and he shot. Okay, so he did that. But again, remember, it wasn't probably because he was faithful. God's power is working through Elisha to shoot that bow initially, okay? So the arrow of deliverance, the arrow of deliverance from Syria. So this is telling him where they're going to strike them, where the battle's going to take place, and where the victory's going to come. Um, the instructions then shift to taking more arrows. So again, he had five or six arrows, we, we're guessing. There's, there's not a lot of info on that when you research it. But somewhere around five or six arrows in his quiver. Okay, so he had more than one. And so he goes and he says, take, he goes on, take arrows. So we know it was more than, more than the initial one. And then there was more in the second group than, than one, obviously. And he tells him to strike the ground. Now, strike the ground, it's, it's kind of a metaphor there. It's kind of, it didn't really mean like hit the, it was a symbol of shoot that arrow out the window into the ground to symbolize victory. To symbolize what God can do through the, the army who's really not supposed to win and defeat the enemy. So it was, it was one of those things again, do it on faith. Do it because you've been prompted to do it. Even if it looks silly, even if people think that it's the craziest thing in the world to do, do it because I've given you a promise that you'll have victory. You will destroy the enemy if you do this. He was not to hold any of the arrows back. It says, shoot all of those arrows. Don't wait. Okay? Shoot them all. He, he instructed him to strike the ground with those arrows. But we know that he, as we'll see, he did not follow through that he was not supposed to hold any of them back you know this is what really this is what god expects from us okay he expects us daily to submit our lives to him and not hold anything back he daily expects us not to hide anything we're to leave nothing in the quiver every day of our life okay we go to bed every night it should be empty there's nothing that we can do tomorrow 
If we miss it today, it's tomorrow's a new day. There's going to be new opportunities. So we can't take those things with us the next day as we'll see. We're supposed to lay it all on the table. And we're supposed to give God unhindered access and control of our lives. And we see here this was not happening. Uh, a couple examples that, that came to mind. Think about this, guys. From the beginning of time, from the book of Genesis, humans have been hiding stuff. We've been prone to hiding. Thinking, thinking we can hide from God. Thinking there's something we can hide from God. Which, it sounds crazy, right? But from the very beginning, that's the theme. So, so what are we hiding today? Are we hiding our finances? Are we hiding, uh, addictions? Is there anger in our life? Uh, spiritual apathy? What are we hiding from God that we've been fooled into believing that He can't see? And maybe we are serving. Maybe we do pray and read our Bibles. But there's things we're hiding that we feel like we don't want to let Him have full control over. See, the task here for Joash, it really, in the grand scheme of things, it seems unimportant. Just shoot an arrow out the window. Just do it. It's not that difficult. It wasn't that hard to follow. It wasn't a difficult command. I mean, it wasn't like... I mean, it was as crazy as Noah having to build a boat. But it it didn't take him near as long to shoot that arrow as it did for Noah to build that boat. So, I mean, it wasn't like he was asking him to do something that was going to take a lot of his time. But here's the problem with that. That happens, I think, for us daily. And we dismiss what God calls us to do because it seems insignificant and small. We think, well, it's not that big of a deal. If I don't do it, it won't really make a big difference. It won't change anything in my life or someone else's probably. And so I think we're guilty of that daily of not turning over what we need to and then not fully submitting and, and prayer is an easy example. It's easy to say, well, God, I'm in a hurry. I overslept, and so I'll pray for like five seconds or ten or a minute. And it's not about how long you pray. I, I know, you know that. I know that. But it's the fact that we sometimes shortchange God to do everything else. We, we, we decide that you know those things are more important, and we're guilty of treating our daily walk that way and thinking, you know what? It's just a small task. It's not that big a deal. What what impact could it really make? You know, what difference will it make if I skip prayer today? What difference will it make if I choose not to read my Bible today? What difference will it make if I maybe just don't show up tonight to church or tomorrow or, you know, the next next opportunity you have? What I don't I don't really feel like telling that person about Jesus or just, just saying something nice or just you know saying hi or bye or smiling. Those things may seem insignificant, but here's what we can never forget. They have an eternal impact on you and me, okay? They, they always have an eternal impact that goes well beyond that particular opportunity. And we'll see that now through the response and then on into the last part of the Scripture. So, we know that he shot an arrow toward the east in verse 17. So he responded and he did that, okay? Again, did he do it because he was faithful? Probably not. He did it because the power was coming through Elisha, through God. But then in verse 18, take the arrows. So he took them. He said the king, strike the ground. He struck three times and stopped. Now, this is where we get into, okay, what happened? Why did he stop? You know, he came to Elisha because he knew they couldn't win the battle. He needed Elisha's help. Elisha's dying. This is his last chance to talk to him. This is it. 
Elisha, tell me something. Tell me what we can do. We need victory here. So it, it, you would even think maybe Joash didn't even fully understand what was going on. He probably didn't. He wasn't a godly man. He wasn't seeking God's counsel every day, so he probably wasn't aware of what was happening. And, and maybe if he was, he would have responded differently. I feel like, you know what, and that's true for us. Because if we'd skip counsel with God, worship with God, then maybe we don't understand what's been presented to us the next day. Maybe we miss the opportunity because we're not fully prepared for it, and we didn't even understand the opportunity. You know, he had this, this moment in time, he could have shot all of those arrows in his quiver, every one of them, and it says they would have experienced full victory, 100% full victory. Instead, and, and, and here's what we don't want to miss, though. I don't want to make sure I don't want to miss this. It's not that because he didn't shoot the other ones that that they couldn't have full victory. Listen, God is sovereign and he can do whatever he wants, how he wants, when he wants, in any way he wants, okay? It's not that. He's not limited by our actions because maybe we don't do something. He can still do what he wants. He's God. He's over everything. But it's it's the opportunities because of the lack of obedience. The disobedience and lack of preparation here is what God's using to teach him. And now he's teaching us thousands of years later through this. It was disobedience. It was lack of preparation. But a lot of times we miss that because we're not meeting God's commands. We're not listening when he's speaking to us. We're too entertained with everything else. We're too busy with everything else. And we miss that. And so this part, this is, this is so big right here. This is the, okay, so Elisha puts his hand, they shoot the first one. Then it shifts, and Elisha's out of the picture, and he tells Joash, pick up that bow, pick up those arrows, shoot the rest of them out the window, you have full victory. The responsibility shifted. It shifted to Joash. Elisha moved away. It was all on Joash. And this is where the problem comes in. Because you're talking about a man who's lived in sin. He's got things in his life that don't honor God. And so he, he isn't able to respond appropriately. So here's what we can't miss in this. God entrusted all of this through Joash. The prophet Elisha spoke to him. But it was all on Joash to do this. And so the question from that is, what has God entrusted you with? What has He entrusted you with today? What, what opportunities has he, given, has he given you that maybe you're not taking full advantage of? What, what is it? He's given, he gave this man, listen, this is an unworthy king. And He's given him an opportunity to receive full victory through God's power through Elisha. But it's in Joash's hands now. It's his responsibility, just like it is ours today. God gives you something every day. He gives me something every day. And we have the opportunity to, to do it and, and, and let him work through us or we blow it. And a lot of times it's, it's small things, okay? But that's where the big results come from. See, you know, I, you can, there's been thousands of big revivals over the years that have, have won many people to the Lord. But you know what? There's a lot of groundwork done way before that that planted seeds, to, got, to get those opportunities ready for people to respond. And that's what God's entrusting to us every day. Through the revelation of Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, He's given us opportunities and avenues. And here's the thing. Our pastors can't do it for us. Your Sunday school teacher can't do it for you. Your parents can't do it for you. The person sitting next to you in the pew can't do it for you. It's, it's not anybody else's job but yours. Listen, we all have a part to play. In this story that God put together. And it's awesome that I think, 
I think it's awesome that we get a part in it. A small part, but it has great ramifications long term. But it's me and you. It's all of us together. It's all, we all have a responsibility. And you know what? When one of us drops our responsibility, it puts more pressure on others. And then there's a missing link. We're only as strong as our, the weakest link. We have got to do what God's asked us to do to the best of our ability and to release our arrows. Again, verse 17, strike in the ground until victory, okay? Destroyed them until victory comes. We can't just do something once. We can't just pray for somebody once. God, please save my friend or my brother or my family member and then be done with it. It's, it's, we fight and we battle until victory comes. We never stop. That's what he's trying to get through here. We continually seek and serve and go until victory is achieved. We can't just halfway uh, do what God's asked us to do and expect victory. It's all in. We have to do it every single day of our lives. And that was the problem here. Joash, a couple times, strikes the ground, thinks he's done, and he quits. He stops. And, man, we're going to see... That had a great impact, not only on him. See, what you do or don't do is not just about you. There's more people involved. And here's something that came to me. God spoke this to me the other day. He says, you can't count yesterday's obedience for today. It's a new day. It's a new day. You have new tasks, new opportunities, new obligations. It's a new day. You can't count. Well, God, I served you yesterday. I prayed and I read my Bible and I went to church and I told three people at work about Jesus. And it's a new day. We can't piggyback on yesterday's obedience and think, well, I don't got to do anything for a while or a month or a year or take a season off. It's a new day every day. We cannot stop short of God's best by simply giving up or just being lazy. We can't stop short of God's perfect will for our lives, our families, our businesses, our ministries, our churches, and our communities by not being obedient every single day and emptying, emptying these arrows that stand that lay in our quiver. Because here's what happens. Every day, God replenishes those. So He takes yesterday's out, and He puts six new ones in, and you have opportunities every day that day all day that day to shoot those arrows and if you don't you lose them it's not like you got they just keep adding up and you get hundreds of arrows and you can just go out and shoot them all at one time it doesn't work that way god's asking you to do something today and in the end i wonder if joash maybe he was just too lazy to shoot those last two or three arrows maybe just like i'm just not gonna do it i really feel like doing it Seems pointless at this point. I shot a couple. And he's just too lazy. You know, sometimes if we're honest, guys, this is about being honest. They talked about the response. God just wants us to be honest with him. And when you're not honest with God, it, it's not going to work. And sometimes we just got to be honest. And if I'm honest, there's just days I'm just lazy. I just, God, I don't really feel like doing it. God, I don't, I don't really want to go do that. I don't feel good. I'm tired. The ball game was on to 1 a.m. I stayed up. I'm tired. And that's just, we just got to be honest with God. We're not perfect people. So we need to quit acting like it. And acting like we got it figured out. I'm saying we got to be honest. But you know, and this, this stuff is brutal because I, it's me too. 
See, God didn't give me this message because I've got it all figured out. Listen, this, this has been preaching to me all week. I promise. You know, we spend hours and months planning vacations and trips and, and doing all these things, but sometimes we spend like seconds with God or minutes serving God or planning out something that has to do with our faith. You know, we do all these things. It's easy for us to stay and to work late at work. But sometimes, you know, to do extra things at church, it's like, man, I just don't I don't want to do it. You know, we stand up and cheer our brains out for our sports teams. I'm with you. I do the same thing. But sometimes we're like, God, I'm just too tired to cheer, you know, do anything. I don't I don't want it. I don't want to do it. And that's where we're at with Joash here. That's where we're at. Maybe he was just too lazy. Maybe he just didn't feel the need to let his arrows soar that day. But I'm telling you, God wants us to let our arrows soar every day, sending them in the direction He instructs us so that our outcome doesn't look like this one. Okay? 19, verse 19, The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it, but now you will strike only three times. Three times. Man, that, that verse has so many implications if you really let it speak to you today. He told him to strike the ground with the remaining arrows for whatever reason we, we are not aware of. We don't know. He just did three, a couple. He had the potential for more. See, that's what we don't want to miss. It's not like he only had a couple. He, he had potential for more, and you and I have potential for more, and God knows that. And that's why he's pushing us, encouraging us, and the Spirit's working in our hearts, and that's why the, the response leading to the outcome makes such a huge difference. But here's what happened. When he stopped at three, we know that, that tells us he wasn't fully committed to God. It tells us. It, it's a, so when we do that, it's what it's telling God. You know, again, we can come for repentance. We can ask for forgiveness. We get that grace and mercy, okay? But that still doesn't erase the fact that we shouldn't be honest with God and just say, look, maybe I wasn't fully committed today. You know, maybe I just don't feel like doing it. But when he shot three times, he paused. And when he paused, here's what happened. The blessing paused. The blessing of the victory paused. So when he paused, the blessing paused. Three times he shot, and three times God gave him victory. But see, by pausing, we're stopping that, that, that conduit from the, bless, the river of the blessing from flowing to us. We're cutting it off when we stop short of what God's called us to do. Short of the victory. We're, we're cutting it off. So he shot three. He said, you get three victories. Now, doesn't that change the game? If I've got six, I better shoot them all. If my victory is coming from how many I shoot... And God says, shoot them all. Why would I hold them back? He's telling him, shoot six. You, you Total victory. 100%. And here's what I said earlier. Others will also suffer. And guess what? All of Israel would suffer because he chose not to shoot those other arrows. They weren't going to have victory. All those people. Because one man didn't follow the commands that were given. And they were simple. And maybe again, he thought, you know what? It's no big deal. It's a couple arrows. Surely it'll, it'll work. Surely God will help us to victory. But in the end, He didn't. He gave them three victories. He didn't give them full victory. He impacted those people, and that's the same for us every day. 
Our neighbors are counting on us. Our friends, they're counting on you. The person in the pew beside of you is counting on you. They're counting on you. Shoot your arrows every day. But when we don't, those people suffer because of our lack of following God's commands and being obedient. They suffer and we suffer. So when you think about that and you think about daily, what am I doing? It changes it when it's beyond you. Because sometimes we're self-centered. If Again, if we're just being honest, which is what we should be with God, you know, we have that circle around us. And it's all about me. What makes me happy? What do I want to do? What helps me? And it is not always like that. What we do impacts people way, way down the road. Your obedience is someone else's blessing or answered prayer. Don't ever forget that. Your obedience, you being obedient, is someone else's blessing or answered prayer. Again, it could be small. Sending somebody a card, an encouraging text, praying for them. Just tell them, send them a text, I'm praying for you. A card. Those things may end up being someone else's answered prayer. So, here's the other implication. Because he was angry, because he didn't strike five or six times. Guess who rejoiced? The enemy. When we don't do what God's asked us to do, the enemies, they're having a party. There's joy in hell when we don't do what God's asked us to do. When we stop short. So there was, when the Christian, you know, grows idle and doesn't shoot all of his arrows or her arrows, now you've got the enemy rejoicing because we've lost. We've become, you know, uh, feeble in communion with God. We're not doing what God's asked us to do. Then the devils, there's gladness when we don't pray. The, the devil don't want us to pray. He knows he's been defeated when it comes from God. That's the point here. The victory was through God. The power of God. He knows it. he's beat. But when we don't access it, we lose. He wins. And so today I think many people, many are living in defeat because of that. Because they've marked off limits. Uh, there's, there's things in their life they've marked off limits. There's these things that are over here that, you know, God, don't, I don't, don't mess with those arrows. Don't mess with that in my life. God, I, I'm all in, but I'm all in, but there's some things I don't want to bring in. And until we go all in, we empty our quivers, and we empty those things in our quiver that are hindering us from serving God fully, there's victory on the other side for the uh, for Satan. And we can't we don't want that. And so as as we start to close down here, we gotta realize that in order to live a, an abundant life for God. We have to go above Him. We have to do what He's asked us to do and not stop short of the victory. The victory is what we're looking for. So again, if what you do has an impact on your victories, he got three for, he was three for three. There's some implications here of what we do. Again, this is not works based. Our salvation is not based on that. But God's given us opportunities. He's prompting us. He's pushing us. To do some things. So, again, what's in our quivers that we need to expose before the Lord today? And just say, God, I just hadn't quite been honest with you. You know, I hadn't wanted to shoot that one because, yeah, I just don't want to give up that part of my life. Bitterness, arrogance, anger, complacency. There's, it's, it's a wide range of things. But in the end, here's the thing. God does not view disobedience in stages. 
See, see one, time, one of the reasons we struggle is because we see things the way we do, and we kind of think God sees them that way, but He doesn't. Everything is different for His view, because He's the Creator. He's, I mean, He's over everything. Time is different for Him. And so we have to realize that, and realize that we're either obedient in all things, or we're disobedient. We've got, we've kind of confused it to, we're kind of obedient, but then some things we're not. It's you're either all or not, and we have to come to that realization and be willing to come before God in that manner and say, God, listen, there's just some things I haven't quite let go of and been willing to let you access in my quiver. Here they are, God. We just have to be honest, and if we're honest, we're not. We're not being honest. You know, I know it doesn't sound right. If we're honest, we struggle with that. But I'm, I'm telling you, God is speaking about that today. He's asking you, what is hindering you? What's holding you back? Why are you not achieving what God's asked you? Listen, C said this uh, Sunday night in the Bible study. The church is made to work in harmony. We all have a part to do. And if one person doesn't do their part, it's, it struggles. There's a missing link. People were asking, what's, what, you know, what can the church do these days? What, what needs to change? I think we should draw a circle around ourselves and start there first. What is in my quiver? What am I not doing that God's asking me to do? What am I holding back from God that He wants me to do? What is He prompting me on, teaching me on? What does He want erased? Want me to remove from my life? I won't read the passage, but in Matthew 25, you're probably familiar as we close down. With the parable of the talents. They're, they're given different um, talents. And again, it's a parable. And we know in the end, those who squandered their talents, did nothing with them, lost them. Nothing came of it. But those who invested their talents, used their talents, took them to work, it multiplied. And God honored that. And I think that's what God's asking us today. What's in your quiver that you're not using? Listen, God loves us, and he, if we'll come to Him and be honest, he'll, he'll, he'll bring us back. He'll refill that quiver with what we've lost. But when we're not honest, He's not going to. And we're not going to have full victory. And again, we can't count yesterday's obedience for today's obedience. We can't, it's a new day. I'll leave you with two last quotes as we close, and we have an opportunity to respond. And just be honest with God with where we're at. Joash, he didn't get, he didn't get full victory for his people because he wasn't willing to do the small thing. What's the small thing God has put in your heart that seems like it's not gonna matter, but will make an eternal difference many, many years down the road? What is it? Are you doing it? Are you skipping over it? Please don't. Last two quotes before you have an opportunity to respond. A lot of people forget that inaction is an action. So when you, it is an act. When you don't do what you're supposed to do, it, you are acting. You're just acting disobedient. So inaction is an action. And delayed obedience is a form of disobedience. When we delay what God's prompted us to do, it is disobedience. And remember, God doesn't view it in stages. 
It's either you're obedient or you're not. So God's asking us today to be obedient. If we want things to change, it's us first. It's who's in the mirror. And what's in my quiver? How many of my arrows am I shooting every day? Because I feel like as a Christian body, if we all empty our quiver every day, maybe some things in the world will change. But as long as we're packing it around and we're not using it, nothing's going to change. It's not going to change if we don't act and, and fully submit and shoot our arrows like God's called us to do to achieve full victory. So you're going to have a chance to respond here. I'm going to uh, close this in prayer and you'll have a chance to respond. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for being a God of grace and mercy and second and third and uh, hundredth chances, Lord. You, you, just, you just want us to come back to you. Father, you're just asking us to be honest. And today, that's all I, I pray that happens is we're honest with you and we're willing to, to admit the areas in our lives where we're not being, we're not shooting the arrows that um, you've called us to shoot. Uh, we're, we're not doing the best we can. We're giving half effort. And God, I just pray you would convict our hearts and change us, Lord. What if the world's ever going to change for the good? It's got to start with us, Lord. Individually, in our lives, in our quiver, what is in there that we're not allowing you to have access to today? Father, may we bring it in an act of obedience with something that may seem insignificant coming before you today, coming to the altar. It's a small act of obedience that can lead to a huge huge ramifications of eternal consequences for many years to come. Father, change our hearts. Father, forgive us where we fail you. And it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.